everybody, and welcome to another episode of First and 16, the League Pod. I'm your host, Chris Ferreira, and we have another recap episode for you. This is our Week 10 recap, Week 11 look ahead. Hope everybody is having a good November. We have Thanksgiving around the corner, and playoffs for fantasy are in a month. We have hit the home stretch. We're in the final couple weeks of league play about to re-enter division play. This is nut cutting time, guys. This is where championships are won and hearts are broken right now. All right. We have a lot of teams still vying for it. In fact, at this point, all 16 teams are still alive. Um, but there are, you know, five teams at the top that are starting to separate themselves as the cream begins to rise. And that includes Anthony, Marcus, Brandon, Cameron, Alex, these five seem to have separated themselves from the pack and they look like they're all but assured playoff spots. Now, these five could still screw things up down the stretch with four weeks to go. But as it sits right now, these five seem like the front runners to make the postseason, which really only leaves one spot left for the remaining um, 11 teams that are still vying for it. So it's going to be a dogfight. Now, those five, you know, are not guaranteed. They could go into free falls, but, you know, the percentages are on their sides at this point. I believe almost all five of them are in the 90th percentile to make the playoffs. So as much parity as we have this year, it is crazy that there are still a bunch of top-heavy teams we only have two or three teams that have really been kicked around this year, but even they have started to show a little bit of life here down the stretch. And that includes Andrew, John, and Escobar. In fact, Andrew finally got off the snide and got his second win this last week in week 10. So he is now tied with John and Esco. Both are all three sitting at two and eight right now. That seems to be the Sacco bunch. They're still couple other teams about two wins ahead of them but it's looking like possibly one of those three might be there and looking at the schedule john and marcus escobar play each other in week 14 the final week so that could become a sacco bowl which could be really interesting to watch um i know nobody wants this title andrew's never had it Escobar's never had it. John has had it. So I know John is like, I do not want to join Mike Reza as the only other two-time Sacco recipient. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, but again, all three of those guys have not been officially eliminated yet. So there is a chance that they, uh, you know, get back in the hunt as, as you know, far uh, and unlikely that is. I think all of them are sitting at either 1% or 0% chance to make the playoffs, but anything can happen, guys. Um, especially if you just look at the NFL. This is the second week in a row where we've had underdogs knock off first-place teams. So if fantasy is anything like the real NFL, there are still chances. Like I said, this, this uh, week 10, we had the first-place Ravens on Thursday last week get smoked by the Dolphins. We had the Buccaneers lose to the Washington football team. Man, you know, Heineke, he just seems to know how to play Tom Brady, right? That's two times in a row he's played them tough. Should have probably won them both. 
Um, the Cardinals just got absolutely slapped by the Carolina Panthers. And of course, who I'm still riding high off of, my 49ers kicked the living shit out of the, I almost called them the St. Louis Rams because they feel like they should move to St. Louis after that loss. The Los Angeles Rams, fifth straight win for Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay. So, you know, first place teams, it is not safe in the NFL. That's back-to-back weeks now. We've had four first place teams take L's. Another big thing that happened in the news this week, Antonio Brown's chef apparently ratted him out saying that he had a fake vaccination card. So we know Antonio Brown is currently recovering from a injury. So he hasn't been playing, but now he has to deal with this fiasco. Um, Got another little Aaron Rodgers, you know, COVID thing going on here. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. If he indeed have had a fake vax card, um, and if he will get back on the field soon, because um, especially after this last week's loss, it uh, looks like Tom Brady is probably going to need him back and everything if Tampa Bay wants to go on another Super Bowl run. Uh, this other week, there was lots of injuries and everything. Again, last time I recorded, it was right after the Odell Beckham trade. Everyone was all hyped about that. And then, of course, like days later, Uh, Robert Woods, I think it was like that same, uh, the Odell Beckham trade happened on a Thursday or Friday and by Saturday or Friday in practice, Robert Woods gets hurt Saturday. They reveal that's an ACL. So Robert Woods is now out for the season. Sadly, also in that victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chase Young for the Washington football team also goes down tearing his ACL, a soul for a soul right there. Thanos, you know, going to Vormir. And uh, to trade that victory over Tom Brady, you guys had to lose Chase Young. I'm sorry, Marcus. At least you got the win, but that's brutal for um, a second-year promising player. Kind of in the same mold as Nick Bosa, because Nick Bosa in his second year tore his ACL. And uh, so hopefully Chase Young is able to recover from that. And if the trajectory is the same as his Ohio State teammate, um, Nick Bosa right now is projected to have an even better season this third year than he did his rookie year when he won defensive rookie of the year. So Chase Young hopefully can recover from this and get back. Um, another couple injuries that we're monitoring for this week, you know, Corderell Patterson, um, his ankle, I'm recording this on Thursday. He's not playing uh, against the uh, Patriots. So uh, he'll be out this week. Chris Carson seems to be having a neck issue. It's looking like he's might be shut down for the rest of the season. They're saying going to go on season ending IR We have Aaron Jones still dealing with his MCL injury. Alvin Kamara still with a knee injury that's bothering him. Elijah Mitchell broke his finger on Monday. They're saying he's, you know, doubtful to questionable to play this weekend. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, And then you have Hollywood Brown, who has a thigh thing. And Lamar Jackson apparently is sick again. So we shall see and monitor if he's going to play or not. Um, Also, Amari Cooper supposedly test positive for COVID and uh, it's looking like he's not going to be able to play this week and potentially because uh, he's not vaccinated not be able to play next week on uh, Thursday, which is Thanksgiving when the Cowboys play. So Amari Cooper might be out two games, which could be a huge blow to Anthony's team. Um, So these are all the players to monitor big week of injuries and, uh, yeah, let's hope everyone gets healthy for this stretch run, right? We only got a month left. We need everybody to start getting healthy, especially on these title contending teams. 
Um, let's look at some highlights and stuff of things that have come. I wanted to talk about this. You know, Brandon recorded with me a couple weeks ago, and we talked a lot about the Chargers in that episode, and we talked a lot specifically about Brandon Staley. And since Brandon came on the show, the Chargers are one in three and have just looked like a shell of themselves. Their only win is barely over the Eagles. They got their asses handed to them by the Ravens. They lost the Patriots. Um, they've lost a couple of these at home, and they have not looked like the team they did at the beginning of the season. A lot of people now questioning if did they anoint Herbert too soon? Is he still a little too young and raw? Is Staley's aggressiveness going against him? Maybe right, Mister. I never punt. I'm going to go for it on every damn fourth down. Um, I never kick, and is that going to be a problem? We shall see because they've kind of come back down to earth. They have a big game this weekend against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. We'll see how that game goes because uh, if you lose that game, who knows? It could be a free fall. And uh, more specifically to that, shame on the entire AFC West, to the Broncos, to the Raiders, and to the Chargers because you guys came out hot out the gates and the Chiefs had been stumbling for a month. And the table has completely flipped, and the Kansas City Chiefs seem to be right back to the team that we've seen over the last two seasons. They have officially claimed first place again in this division, and um, Mahomes and that offense looks like they're starting to figure things out. So not good news for the rest of the AFC West. You guys had your shot, you know, like Thor when he swung his axe at Thanos in Infinity War, and he hits Thanos right in the chest. And what does Thanos say? Should aim for the head, right? Well, the Chiefs were there ready to be knocked out. I feel like this season was ready to completely flip on their heads. And, you know, the, the you guys let them hang around, and now they've officially caught you guys. No one else wanted to run away with the division. So we'll see how that division shapes out. Who knows? Maybe the Chiefs go back in their funk, but right now it doesn't look like it. their offense is starting to figure things out. We also had the worst football game of the season played this last week in Week 10. Um, I don't know if anybody watched the Detroit Lions versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it was our first tie of the season. It was a wet, muddy game by about halfway through the fourth quarter. Jared Goff had about 40 yards passing. That's how bad it was. It was Mason Rudolph versus Jared Goff. Neither team wanted to win. If you look at the, if you look at the, um, the drive summary, it's just, either punts or turnovers the entire game. It's just a disaster. And the game goes to overtime and both teams that turn it over, at least um, the Steelers fumbled it twice in overtime. Neither team could score our first tie. At least Dan Campbell officially will not be uh, a completely defeated team all season. You know, he's already, he was a member of that 0-16 Lions team. And, it would have been awful if he would have been a member of that team. And then he coached the only 0-17 team in NFL history because now that we have that extra game. So at least Dan Campbell won't be a part of that. He got his tie. Maybe he'll get a win on Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll see. Let's hope the Lions can get at least a W here. Uh, <laughs> no one should go winless. But that was the worst game I saw all season. Um Another big thing to talk about is obviously the emergence of Mac Jones. And here we go. I'm going to talk a little bit about quarterbacks right now. Obviously, my team drafted a rookie quarterback. Everyone is losing their mind over Mac Jones. The Patriots now are, are storming up the standings, right, trying to challenge the Buffalo Bills for that AFC East crown. Buffalo, I thought, was like a 
a shoe in to win that division. And now they're stumbling a little bit, especially after they lost the Jaguars recently. Um, and Mac Jones is probably the front runner right now for rookie uh, offensive rookie of the year, at least, right. You know, they're always going to give it to a quarterback, especially if you're a rookie quarterback and you lead your team to the playoffs and the Patriots are starting to figure things out. Their defense looks really good, but this is where I'm starting to get annoyed by social media and Twitter is everyone's anointing uh, Mac Jones as the best rookie in this class. And they're like, did all these teams make mistakes that passed on him? Let's pump the brakes on that. Okay. Um, why don't we just say Mac Jones should have been the number one pick then. Right. Doesn't that sound idiotic, right? Mac Jones should have been over Trevor Lawrence. No, look at the situation where he landed. He was the fifth quarterback taken for a reason. Now maybe he shouldn't have been the fifth quarterback taken fifth, right? We had Lawrence, we had Wilson, we had Lance, we had Fields, and then we had Mac Jones. So fifth quarterback. He landed in the perfect situation for him, a franchise that has that is historically known, at least in the last 20 years, to have a pocket quarterback sit there and be able to methodically move. Josh McDaniels knows how to use a quarterback like him. If Mac Jones had gone to, say, the Jaguars or the Jets, right, do we think he'd be having this same success? Hell no, right? Put Trevor Lawrence with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels in New England, and I'm telling you right now, the Patriots will probably be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, even with a rookie quarterback, because Trevor Lawrence is that much better than Mac Jones. He is having, if you've watched any of the Jags games, which I'm going to finally get to watch one like fully because the 49ers play him this weekend, um, Trevor Lawrence is having to be like Peyton Manning slash Andrew Luck rookie year, like do everything for that team. He's getting no help. If he had a stable organization around him, he would be flourishing. Now, maybe you could say, oh, the Jets should have took him at two over Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson's been a bust. Uh, is Mac Jones going to fix what's, hap what's happening in, uh, I would say, New Jersey, but in the Meadowlands down there in for the Jets? No, right? When was the last time they had a pocket quarterback? Mark Sanchez, which they did decent, but... Do you really think Mac Jones is going to change the fortunes of the Jets this season? Hell no, right? Were they running out there, Joe Flacco now and the Mike White experience and everything? I mean, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson would be doing as well as Mac is doing in New England. I will say Mac does a good job of not turning the ball over. That is his specialty, but he's not doing anything very, very special to win these games. He's in a system where he doesn't have to do too much, run the ball, Check it down to your tight ends. He did have a great pass here week 10. He hit Kendrick Bourne on that deep ball. That was like the best ball I've seen Mac Jones throw this season. But aside from that, everyone is anointing him as already he should be possibly the best quarterback in this draft. Let's pump the brakes. Then we get to the third pick, right? Trey Lance, 49ers. I've, I've had it up to here with 49er fans saying we should have took Mac Jones. We should have took Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo right now. The only benefit to have Mac Jones right now would be that he's on a rookie contract. Yeah, he could have traded Jimmy G and taken Mac Jones, but guess what? In five years, we would have the same predicament that we have right now. A non-mobile quarterback who has a ceiling, who, yes, when he's in the pocket, can do his things, but guess what? When he has to get out of the pocket, he can't do anything. Mac Jones can't run. Jimmy G is 
a little mobile, but not crazy. The reason we took Trey Lance is not because we needed to play him right now. We have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. We drafted Trey Lance for the next five years, right? And hoping that he can become like a Josh Allen, like a Patrick Mahomes, right? You take the higher upside and our team was ready to win right now. And yeah, and people can complain. Why did we trade two extra draft picks to do it when we could have maybe just sat back and took Mac there? Um, because like I said, you're taking the home run swing to try to hit on the higher upside, the more athletic quarterback. I'm completely fine with letting Trey Lance sit this entire season. And in fact, I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo this year than Mac Jones. And going forward after this year, I'd rather have Trey Lance than Mac Jones. Again, so that three, no, I don't want Mac Jones there because guess what? In Like I said, in four or five years, if Mac Jones hits his ceiling, maybe Mac Jones is already at his ceiling, right? Because he spent time in Alabama. Um then guess what? You're going to be complaining that we have Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 on our team. All right. And everyone that's saying he's Tom Brady, let's pump the fucking brakes. That's a seven time Super Bowl champion that you're trying to compare him to. Okay. So uh, don't disrespect Tom Brady by comparing him to Mac Jones. Um, and then you get down to, you know, Justin Fields, the bears, should the bears have taken Mac Jones? The bears are a disaster, right? They wanted a mobile quarterback. The bears have never had a good quarterback. I don't think you want Mac Jones there to just sit in that uh, dreaded, dreaded offensive line where, where Fields is running for his life half the game and everything. Now, Mac Jones probably could be a lot more efficient than Fields, but Fields is showing his athleticism and running around. And once he figures out and feels confident in the pocket, and once they probably get a new coach because it's looking like Nagy's going to get fired, then who knows? Fields could be the better. But obviously right now everyone had said during the draft – that Mac was probably going to come out the most pro ready, but just because you're the most pro ready right now, doesn't mean when your career is over, you're going to have the best career. So yeah, he might have the best uh, rookie season. So have a lot of other rookie quarterbacks who have not been done as well. Right. Let, we'll just look a couple of years ago at the Baker Mayfield draft, right? Baker Mayfield goes number one overall because teams thought that he was the most ready. Right. And then look at the quarterbacks that got taken after him, right? You have Lamar Jackson taken after him. You have Josh Allen taken after him, right? And now we all know we would much rather have those athletic quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield. So I feel like the exact same thing is going to happen for Mac Jones. And people will look back and say, yes, he should have been the fifth quarterback off the board. Maybe, you know, there's probably going to be one or two busts. Who knows who they could be? Could be Zach Wilson. Could be Justin Fields. Could be Trey Lance. Could be Trevor Lawrence. I doubt Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence looks like now maybe the Jaguars are the reason he busts because that franchise is awful. Zach Wilson's in a horrible situation. If I had to pick two, it's probably, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And I would, I would say Lawrence. I don't think Lawrence is going to bust, but I say those three probably are the most likely to continue. Mac, I feel like, you know, he could be a serviceable starter, but and probably in New England, that's all you need, right? They already proved that for 20 years with Tom Brady. Josh McDaniels knows how to do that, but uh We'll see. We'll see. I'm just not ready to say that Mac Jones is the best quarterback in this draft class yet after, you know, half of a season, right? Let these other guys uh, get their lumps out and we'll see. We'll, we'll see in a couple of years. Okay. Um, that's my Mac Jones tirade that I've been on Twitter for the last couple of weeks fighting people about. Last thing I want to say before I go into the awards and everything, I never want to hear ever again that Sean McVay is a better coach than Kyle Shanahan. All right. I'm not going to talk about the 49ers this whole time here, but I just have to say this. Okay. Everyone wants to say that McVay is the superstar young coach and he's the one who has the pipeline of successful coaches and everything. No dude's 
dude can't beat Kyle Shanahan. He was groomed under Kyle Shanahan. Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Sean McVay. Sean McVay is a one-trick pony who can't win in the big games, right? He can beat up on all these little teams and everything. That's fine. But when he actually has to play really good teams, he folds under pressure and he doesn't know how to change his game plan in the game. He also has abandoned this season and sold his soul for the Matt Safford experience. The thing that made the Rams so good when they had Todd Gurley and obviously they lost Cam Akers, but they have Daryl Henderson run the ball. If you're a disciple of the Shanahan's and stuff, you run the ball. It's why, why the 49ers are so successful, why the Green Bay Packers are so successful, Aaron Rodgers, because they run first, then throw off the run. The Rams have turned into this, put everybody out there and uh, you know try to throw it 40 times like the Chiefs. That's not going to be uh, as successful as if you set the tone with the run. Sean McVay doesn't like to do that now all of a sudden. Um, and things are going to get a lot worse now that they don't have Robert Woods. So maybe they will go back to the running game, which they really should. But I think it's, there's trouble for the Rams, right? That's two in a row they've lost. They got embarrassed by the Titans on Monday night or on the Sunday night football the week before. And then the 49ers just handed them their ass this Monday. So uh, we'll see. They have a bye this week. Then they have to play the Packers. And they get to, he gets to now play LaFleur, his, his other buddy. So I think the Rams are in trouble. And uh, I just I just don't ever want to hear Sean McVay is better than Kyle Shanahan. All right. Let's go into our weekly awards and everything. Uh, again, our Survivor Series Eliminator this week goes to Mina Kalini. Mina, you know, he just had a great week last week in the Barker Bowl and everything. But uh, he had a tough week this week. 71.92 points becomes uh, our next team eliminated. We only have six teams left. Six teams chomping for the bit uh, that are still alive in the Survivor Series. So sorry, Mina, you join the, the rest of us that are out. And our Barker Bowl shout out goes to Alan Paramore from Indiana, scored 155.54 points. This is one of Shane's cousins that uh, is going to be out there in Indiana where Shane's going to move. He's a participant here. Happy to have him in our charity term and everything. And he's uh, having a really good season i believe he's in first place in the animation division so hats off to you alan great week this week let's go into our league awards mvp goes to dear lord patrick mahomes he finally figured it out after having a rough month 36.24 points for anthony 406 passing yards and five touchdowns just absolutely lit it up and uh now all of a sudden we have to be worrying about the chiefs again because that offense looked really really good Beast Mode Award also goes to Anthony. Anthony scored 113.64 points and a dominant win for him. Anthony right now currently sitting as the number one team and number one seed in the league. Congrats, Anthony. Two awards for you right there. Why not make it three? Fatality, flawless victory by Anthony from the Mortal Kombat division over Dan. 37.2 point differential. Um, that's three straight awards for Anthony. This was a big week for him as, uh, he had that Mahomes Hill connection that, uh, lit it up this week. Participation award goes to Kyle Martinez. Kyle scored 60.2 points this week in a letdown loss after a huge win last week and everything. But thank you for participating, Kyle. Still in the playoff hunt and everything. WWE represent. Game of the week. God, I said no game of the week this 
week because there was it was a weird week and all the matchups were weird as hell. They were all either blowouts. Nothing was really close. I said maybe you could say Mike over John because it was eighty to eighty eight to eighty. It was kind of close, and John almost came back and won. And Mike's back at five hundred. That's the closest one, but I almost don't want to give it to anyone. But I guess if I have to give it to somebody, I'm going to give it to Mike over John. The Rick Astley, never going to give, never going to give you up award. Kind of going to give this to two people this week, and I want to laugh at both these individuals. One going to Hayden. Hayden traded A.J. Dillon and Odell Beckham to Andrew a couple weeks ago and then proceeded to get beat by Andrew this week. A.J. Dillon outscored all the players that Hayden got in return for that. I think he got Adrian Peterson and Russell Gage. And, you know, neither of them have done anything. And since Aaron Jones went down, Dylan has been a stud. So that trade kind of blew up in your face, Hayden. And now that Odell Beckham is on the Rams, it's just, you know, that was a great win for Andrew in that trade. And then he beat you with your own ex-players. So uh, thanks. Thanks for never giving up, Hayden, but bad move. The other one goes to Shane in this one. Shane traded that, you know, last minute trade with Brandon. All the chess pieces that moved, he got like Keenan Allen, several running backs. One of the pieces that he got was Kendrick Bourne, and he decided not to play him. He traded for him and decided not to play him. Kendrick Bourne has a huge touchdown catch, scores, I think, almost 20 points, and uh, Shane loses. Had he played him, he would have won. So don't know why you trade for somebody and then don't play them. So shame, Shane. Both these guys, Hayden and Shane, uh, never going to give up. Thank you guys for never giving up, but you both made bad trades that blew up in your face this week. Let's preview week 11, the final league week, the final matchup to set up who's going to be the best league play team before we head back into division play. Again, currently the standings sit WWE 17 and 11 right now. They have the best record followed by community 16 and 12, one game behind WWE. So this will be a huge last week to see if that uh, gap can be closed. Community can still catch them, obviously, with a big week if all their teams win. The next team, King of the Hill, has caught Mortal Kombat division. King of the Hill now sits with 12 wins, Mortal Kombat only 11. So Mortal Kombat right now is the worst division in the league. Obviously, it's being uh, weighed down by John and Esco with those beautiful two and eight records. So uh, they're, that, that league is very top heavy with Anthony, but uh, King of the Hill making it their way into third place so far. So, but we got this last week and uh, the matchup of the week that I want to highlight this week, got a couple of them and everything. Anthony sitting at eight and two playing Alex, who is seven and three. That is a huge matchup. Obviously, the best record versus the second place in WWE. Two potential playoff teams, and this could be a playoff matchup that we're seeing. We'll see how these two teams fare. Another one that is a big matchup. Obviously, there's a lot of smaller matchups, like obviously myself and Hayden. You have um, Shane has a big matchup this week. Um, there's a lot of these teams on the bubble that have big matchups. Another one I'm looking at, uh, let's say Mina and Brandon, that could be a big highlight one for week 11 could be a close matchup, right? You have Brandon currently sitting in first place, Mina right now on that bubble, trying to get into the playoffs. These are, uh, there's a lot of them again, like I said, no team has been eliminated. So everyone's matchup technically is 
a potential matchup of the week candidate. And our magic numbers are starting to approach, guys. Mortal Kombat can become the first division clinched this week if Anthony wins and Hayden loses. If Anthony wins and Hayden loses, and you know Hayden's going to lose because he plays me, um, I got to get my revenge for the championship last year. Anthony will be crowned the Mortal Kombat champion. We also have three teams on the brink of elimination. Andrew, John, and Esco, both sitting, are all three sitting at two and eight. They potentially could be officially eliminated from playoff contention if they all lose or if teams ahead of them win in some formation. They really need the cards to really just lay out perfectly for them to have any shot at a potential six and eight wild card berth. But uh, it's looking like it's going to be uh, tough sledding. But so those three need to be watching to see if they're eliminated this week. Um, and yeah, potentially our first division as we get into the final three weeks. So this is a huge week for everybody. It's super close. Um, before we wrap up, I want to give some shout outs again. Happy birthday to our, our, uh, friend Alex, right? My man, Alex, it is his birthday on Saturday or Sunday. It's the 21st, whatever the hell the 21st is. That's Alex's birthday. I uh, want to wish him a happy birthday before this and also i believe it's it's brandon and evelyn's wedding anniversary this weekend and one year ago during the pandemic when we got to celebrate with them uh that was a blast so i want to give shout outs to those two shout outs to everybody else um miss you guys and everything hopefully you guys enjoy this episode i'm gonna get another one out after this weekend before thanksgiving um i'm going up to the mountain to Big Bear for it and everything, but I'll get you guys one more pre-Thanksgiving episode to recap week 11 and everything. So uh, we're going to end this episode here. Hopefully you guys have a great weekend. Alex, have a happy birthday. Brandon, have a good anniversary. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Peace out. Peace out.